have your sports curiosity cured. And there's more to talk about that. As Stroud, little play action to start. Good protection. Airs it out for Collins. He's got it. One play. Touchdown, Texans. 75 yards to start the night for number seven. A veteran of the sports reporting game for over 25 years. Miami will punt. Back-to-back possessions. Jake Bailey with a big punt. Sends Deontay Hardy all the way back to the five. Has some space. Takes up. Look out, Hardy. Gets a block downfield. Hardy's going to go. He's in midfield. Nobody's going to catch him. Deontay Hardy, 95 yards. Breaking down Edmonton's favorite teams. Bouchard to McDavid. Pass down low and they score. Guess who it is? Patrick for Zach Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carrius Show. And here we go for Saul 86 in a chilly January 9th, minus 14. In Edmonton, thanks so much for tuning in on your AM radio dial, 1440, or the many apps that we offer, and, of course, on uh, our website, sports1440.ca. Welcome to the Kevin Carey Show for, again, Tuesday, January 9th. It's going to get cold the rest of the week. Holy smokes. Uh, Looking at uh, highs in the, well, probably 28 to 30 uh, degree range, and then, the lows will be even uh, into the 30s. So uh, wear your woolies. She's going to be nippy for a few days at the end of the week. Good time for the Oilers to get on the road, and uh, they're back in action tonight in Chicago against a, a really depleted Chicago Blackhawks roster. Connor Bedard obviously out with the broken jaw, and the Oilers will have to try to avoid what happened to Calgary Sunday night when, hey, maybe possibly they took uh, the Chicago Blackhawks too lightly. Oilers come in. On a seven-game winning streak, 2015-1, and one, and in a wild-card spot in the Western Conference, uh, Chicago 11-26-2, and two, obviously in a massive state of rebuilding. Uh, speaking of rebuilding, there was a trade in the NHL uh, late yesterday afternoon at night, and uh, it involved uh, Cutter Goche, who was the fifth overall pick for the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, off to... Anaheim for Jamie Drysdale in the second round pick. Man, the way that uh, this thing has been getting legs and everything like that with everything that's happened, you'd swear that it was the Eric Lindros trade in Philadelphia. The amount of uh, uh, coverage that it's been getting and the amount of uh, eyeballs on it and what happened, who said what, who did what, why you don't want to play here, why you uh, decided not to talk to Flyers representatives in Sweden. Uh, We're going to break a lot of that down with a few of our guests today, including uh, Frank Saravalli at 820, who uh, being in Philadelphia would have a pretty good pulse on the situation. Our text line, 1-833-401-1440. 1-833-401-1440. Man, there were some good games in the NHL last night. Uh, maybe one of the best games of the season. Colorado and Boston. Uh, Avs win it in a shootout. Nathan McKinnon's got a 22-game point-scoring streak at home. 
the abs uh, that game it was back and forth there was some big saves the goaltending was good uh, there was flow mckinnon was just hopping it was one of the better games of the season in the entire nhl hey, how about matt murray congrats to the saint albert product matt murray 23 saves for the shutout, and it's the other Matt Murray, not the the one that Matt Murray that's won a couple of Stanley Cups. 4-0, Dallas over Minnesota. Matt Murray used to play for the Spruce Grove Saints. He's from uh, St. Albert, played two seasons with Spruce Grove, and the last year that he played in Spruce Grove, they had they had a pretty darn good team with some guys that have gone on to play in the NHL, like Brandon Byro with Buffalo, and uh, they had Trey Fix. Wolanski went on to play with the Edmonton Oil Kings, was just a 16-year-old in Spruce Grove for the Saints. Ian Mitchell was another other young player that was played in uh, Spruce Grove that season. Riley Simpson was there. They had a pretty darn good team. So uh, congrats to Matt Murray, his first uh, NHL shutout. 4 nothing Dallas over Minnesota. And Vancouver, just, uh, you know, the, the Canucks have yet to find um, any possible way where they feel that they are going in a downward spiral. They're spiral. They, uh, with a big, big win in New York against the Blue Shirts uh, last night, 6-3. Uh, Elias Pettersson, two goals, two assists. Uh, Thatcher Demko, 39 saves. The Rangers, uh, again, having some trouble with the, the Pacific Division teams going out to New York. Oilers won in there uh, a couple of weeks ago, and now Vancouver wins it by a score of 6-3. to three. And Elias Pettersson, you think he was looking at the William Nylander contract yesterday? Oh, a lot of big dough for Nylander, and we touched on it yesterday as that contract broke during our show. But Elias Pettersson's going to be the next guy to sort of get paid, and he'll be looking, I don't know, it's probably a similar contract, very similar deal to what... Uh, uh, Willie Nylander got in Toronto. So keep an eye on that. The big other story last night, uh, college football playoff. Michigan crushing Washington. Just absolutely crushed him. The The score at halftime, it should have been, it wasn't even indicative of the flow of play, uh, who tilted the field. The defense was all over Michael Penix Jr. for Michigan. He was on his backside the whole game. He finished with 255 yards, a touchdown, a couple of picks. If he wasn't getting rushed, he was getting hammered. You could see by the end of the game, he was holding almost every body part and ribs and this and that. Could barely get off the turf. The Michigan Wolverines ran the ball down the Huskies' throats. Blake Corum had a big game. But to be honest, it was all uh, Donovan Edwards early with a couple of touchdown runs. He had two long runs. Those are the two longest runs that that Washington gave up all year. And we're in the first quarter. Uh, Donovan Edwards had 104 yards rushing, two TDs. Blake Corum had two TDs in the fourth quarter to ice it, had 134 yards rushing. He was the MVP. It was just a total demolition. Washington didn't have it, and we'll see what that does to Michael Penix Jr. Uh, We were talking yesterday, the Duke believes that he would be a late first-round draft pick. Does a a game like that, does it have a big bearing on how many positions you may fall in the draft? We will know in, I guess, April. I think the draft's in Detroit this year, so that'll be interesting to see in that sense. Uh, Again, Oilers in Chicago tonight. Uh, By the way, they called up Phil Kemp late last night. Maybe there's a little bit of a, you know, someone's not feeling well on the blue line, but some insurance on this road trip. And Phil Kemp joins the team in uh, Chicago for the game tonight. The Oilers are 17-6 and under Chris Knobloch. Uh, They've scored, I mean... Starts have not been a problem for this team this year. 51st period goals, 12 in the first minute. That's tops 
in the NHL. one 1440 Duke, what did you make of that uh, college football playoff national championship game? We were, after talking to Warren Moon yesterday, we were sort of both leaning towards Washington. Didn't work out that way, did it? Ooh. No, no, I was I was pretty high on the Huskies even before talking to Warren, and then mm-hmm. his confidence only kind of boosted my spirits and my belief in what I'd uh, already taken stock of. Uh, I mean, yeah, the Huskies, it, it just kind of, when we teed up the game, it looked like the two, two meeting forces of, like, Washington had yet to play a defense this season as good as Michigan's, and Michigan's defense had yet to play an offense this season as good as Washington. So obviously it was a matchup of those two things. Mm-hmm. But Michigan did what they had to do. They they kind of just hit the ground and pound method, uh, ran the ball down Washington's throat, particularly in the first half. And, like, the, the Huskies had chances to get back in the game. The the, the Wolverines opened the door. Like, even you, you close yeah. the gap to seven at the end of the first half, you get the first possession coming and then out, the of, pick. out of it and, and the, the couple picks by Penix. Um, Big right tackle, 73, had two bad holding penalties that one negated. It was about a 40-yard swing. Yeah, yeah, that was that was that might have been kind of the, the final nail in the coffin, I think, that one particular and play. They, you know what? And Washington's defense after, you know, from that whole third quarter, they, 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 gave their, they gave their offense a chance to win the game. 100% they did. They kind of stuffed up the run. I mean, it looked like uh, RB draw, um, if you're like back in your Madden play call sheet, uh, that looked like in the first half that play was virtually unstoppable against the Washington uh, defense, but they kind of plugged up some holes. Like like you said, Kevin, the defense gave the offense a chance. Um, Penix was far from great. Like this is not the was not the same guy we saw mo- or the entirety of this last season but with that being said he did put some balls out there uh, whether it was just to convert first downs mm-hmm. um, like I said penalties brought a couple backs there were some drops it's uh, it's unfortunate the way it worked out I, I still think Penix will probably be a first round quarterback but I do think like the stat line doesn't jump off the page actually for J.J. McCarthy but his his poise and everything yeah. and, and I think some people misconstrued what I, when I've been pumping Penix's tires these past couple weeks I don't think J.J. McCarthy's not an NFL quarterback or that he's bad. I just loved what I saw from Penix throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and obviously his uh, his O-line and receivers are great too. Don't don't be Everyone don't be hates mistaken. that term game manager. Right. But and, that's what J.J. And it's, and, it's, and it's not a negative connotation. So I, I actually, and we'll, I think we'll touch on a little bit more with Grant uh, during in or out, but I think McCarthy did uh, a lot for his draft stock. Um, and Penix... Did he hurt it a little bit? Maybe, but I think it was more so a matter of circumstance, and it is just one game. So, uh, I if I were an mm-hmm. NFL GM, I wouldn't be too. If I already liked what I saw from Michael Penix and had him high on my board, I don't think that's changing. But if I was another team, still kind of flipping between quarterbacks, I think McCarthy showed us something as a, as a you know a leader um, going out and picking up a first down with his legs, which you don't see very often from him. Uh, I, I I liked what I saw from the Wolverines. Mm-hmm. They they certainly deserve to win, and I think they proved they're the best team in college ball this year. The Duke very well documented Anaheim Ducks fan and this uh, Cutter Goche Jamie Drysdale trade uh, so and a second rounder this is a little again you'd swear that Eric Lindros was being traded again here with Philadelphia involved the one thing that I noticed last night so John Tortorella in his post game uh, news conference uh, said uh, I don't know Cutter Goche from a hole in the wall well, and then a post came out later, or maybe it was the same time, of Cutter Goche talking about meeting John Tortorella at a development camp, make getting out of his way, going out of his way to go and shake hands with John Tortorella, saying, "Hi, I'm Cutter Goche. I want to play for you someday." Da 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 da, and. There was a few f bombs actually in there. I don't know if you saw the post. Uh, it's a, it's an interview that Cutter Goche did in 
I believe, Boston. And it would have been in the spring sometime, April, May, somewhere in there. And, you know, he's talking about his meeting John Tortorella. So obviously there's a lot of truths not coming out here. We're going to be joined by Frank Saravalli, and we're going to have uh, Scott Wheeler from the Athletic as well to talk about this. He he saw he just saw Cutter Goche play, you know, a half dozen games in uh, Sweden at the World Championship. But again, Philadelphia, if he doesn't want to play there, that's his prerogative. I don't necessarily agree with it. He never played a game in the NHL, but it's very similar to what the exact opposite was. Whatever twenty some years ago with Eric Lindros saying, "I don't want to play in Quebec." Philadelphia reaches out, sends a bundle to get him. And I'm not comparing these two. I'm not, let's be honest, I'm not comparing these two, but it's the exact opposite of, the, of, the, of what Philadelphia went through uh, trying to acquire Lindros when he said the same thing, I don't want to play in Quebec. Having said that, Jamie Drysdale's been hurt for a couple of years. Well, one year last year, had missed the contract the, pulled the out. the entirety of last yeah. season and then... Um, uh, torn labrum last yeah. year, torn yeah. labrum. And then uh, missed contract uh, first out. quarter of this season after getting inked uh, through training camp. So... so. He's been a little bit behind the eight ball. Still a pretty good defenseman, right shot defenseman. He's still young. He His draft stock is basically the same as Cutter Goche's. He was sixth, sixth overall. overall yeah. Goche's fifth overall. But I don't know. I, I, I like the trade. I like the trade for Philadelphia. Uh, I, I, I do. I'll start with this. And I, I, my phone didn't stop buzzing all <laughs> yesterday afternoon. Of course, all, all my friends and, and even some people have crossed uh, paths with in the, the professional world and thing. Yet to know that I'm a Ducks fan and text me about for my thoughts on it. I'll admit right off the start that I, like, I'm biased. I'm a huge Jamie Drysdale believer. When they got him at sixth overall, okay. I thought the Senators were going to take him at five. They go for the American Jake Sanderson. I was, I, that was the most excited about a Ducks draft pick I had been <laughs> since Cam Fowler fell to them at 12 in 2010 because I'd watched Drysdale at, as an underager at the World Juniors that past uh, winter as kind of the extra D-man elevated uh, up in the lineup due to an injury in that tournament. I thought he was tremendous as a 17-year-old D-man. Went back the next year in the bubble. Um, won gold, uh, or sorry, lost in the silver to his then teammate Trevor Zegras, uh, who is the MVP. Jamie Drysdale is an established at this point, and yes, he's still young and injuries, but like he's a top four defenseman right now in the NHL. He skates about as well, if not just as good or better than any defenseman in the league, probably not named Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, I would say. Uh, he's very fluid, offensive upside. He's a pretty good defender. That's like the one part of his game he's still working yeah, I on. I think he's got a lot of work to when, do there. When, when, you're, when you're that good of a skater, becoming a better defender, in my opinion, becomes easier uh, as you continue to learn the speed of the NHL game. But um, the, the one kicker for me, and yes, it's a 2025 pick, but you're basically trading two guys with the same draft stock. One of them has played several seasons in the NHL, including a full rookie season where he put up 36 points, mm-hmm. as opposed to a guy who, fifth overall pick, has not sniffed the NHL, and then you're tacking on a second-round pick, which, based on the Ducks' projection right now, is probably still going to be like a top, top, 40, 35, top yeah. 45 or 40 pick yeah. for sure, right? So I, I think the Ducks and GM Pat Verbeek paid the highest possible price for a guy, and yes, we didn't know necessarily that Goche was, you know, on the outs with the organization and yeah. didn't want to play for them. But you have to think some red what flag, I, some red flags I, go up when I don't like when a guy says, "Well, I don't want to talk to you." So yeah, if, I, and Briere, Daniel Briere is saying this. Keith Jones is saying this. We went over to Sweden. He didn't want to talk to us. We reached out during the season in Boston College. Didn't want to talk to us. Had to go through. Couldn't even go through the player. Had to go through the school's department, the uh, the comms department at the school. Those are those are. Th- and and what I don't get too is that he 
uh, Gochi said, I was born to be a flyer kind of thing. I'm paraphrasing. I want to be a flyer. So something happened here uh, in the last year. It's there's something we're not getting the whole story from either side. Unless the like the only thing that's really changed from the time he was drafted to then apparently last summer saying he wouldn't play for them is John Tortorella becoming the head coach of the team, which I don't was he was had he been hired at the time of the draft uh, when he was drafted? Well, Torch has been there two years. This is the second season, but I mean, like, at that point of the offseason, because he was a 2022 draft pick, right? So um, I'd have to check the timeline there. Uh, But but basically, yeah, like, the the Flyers are sold at the highest possible stock on this guy because of what he just did at the World Juniors. He was tremendous. And, I like, I think he can be a very good player. Like, he profiles out as your prototypical Mm -hmm. top six winger. But I don't think he's a I don't think he's a centerman. No, he's a he's a left wing. Well, but he's he plays center. And oh, he, but yeah. like yeah. I, I think he I think long term he profiles out as a as a winger. Um, yeah, I, I I'm on the fence. I'm I'm interested to hear what uh, Frank and, and Scott He'd be have drafted. to say about would, it. Torch came in after him, right? Yeah. So, but so and uh, this the the one kind of on the duck side of thing that shows to me uh, Verbeek kind of locked horns and wouldn't back down from both contract negotiations with Jamie Drysdale and Trevor Zegers this fall. Those were the last two, well, pardon me, Mason McTavish was the last pick, but Drysdale and Zegers, the previous two final picks of the uh, previous regime, Bob Murray's regime in Anaheim. And the only thing that gives me a little bit of glimmer of hope is that uh, Martin Madden and the scouting staff in Anaheim's organization, they're as good as it gets in the league in terms of amateur uh, talent evaluation. So they apparently had eyes on Goche at that draft Mm -hmm. trying to trade up from the 10 spot where they picked Minchikov. Um, up into getting Goche. So if they like this guy that much, I'll give them the benefit of doubt. They, they've done this a long time and have a proven track record of it. But I'm, I'm a little bit uh, like I'm sour grapes this morning. I was a big believer in Jamie Drysdale, <laughs> and I'm disappointed to see him go. Very liked in the organization, it's liked in the room. 2.3 mil for the next three years. I would not be surprised if in the next year or so, uh, Trevor Zegers is also out the door. In Anaheim, really? Yeah. We'll see what they, they, they were they were players drafted not by Pat Verbeek and they might not fit his um, maybe, idea. Maybe what, Scott what Wheeler team. has Scott Wheeler has some insight on that. We'll uh, join be be joined by Scott Wheeler from the Athletic coming up after the break. Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli. Uh, well, Frank's going to weigh in on this trade for sure. Tom Silverstein and uh, from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and then Troy Murray from the Chicago Blackhawks with our game of the day for St. Albert Dodge. That'll be at ten twenty. And back in the saddle, nine o'clock to eleven is Grant Fuhr welcoming uh, the Hall of Famer back to uh, Sports fourteen forty after a couple weeks. Off, he was at the uh, the uh, Heritage, sorry, the Winter Classic. There's so many classics, it's hard to keep track. But he's at the uh, Winter Classic in Seattle last week, so we'll get uh, Grant's thoughts on a number of uh, topics. Uh, that'll be coming up at uh, nine o'clock. When we come back, Scott Wheeler from the Athletic on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Oh yeah! All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the Puck Report, brought to you by Fountain Tire. They offer a wide range of auto repair and services from their expert mechanic. Visit FountainTire.com to see all the mechanical services uh, that they offer as we welcome back, uh, welcome Scott Wheeler back to the program. Scott, uh, good morning. Welcome back to Sports 1440. Is your uh, internal body clock back to normal after returning from Sweden? Uh, I don't think quite yet. (laughs) I've been uh, hitting a bit of a wall at 7, 8 p.m. these last few nights, and that's normally uh, not when I sort of check myself out to bed for the night, so... Uh, still working through it, and then had a bit of a late night last night after the news of the Gauthier for, for Drysdale trade happened. So I'm mm-hmm. um, still fighting it, but we'll get there. 
Well, that's where we'll start. Uh, so, Cutter Gauthier, two, Anaheim for Jamie Drysdale and a second rounder. Gauthier was the fifth overall pick in 2022. What did you see him play a half dozen games in Sweden, at least that? Or, or what did you what did you make of him and your, your thoughts just up close and personal of the tournament he had? And I guess what uh, Anaheim is getting in this player? Yeah, I mean, Drysdale and uh, Gauthier are both sort of premium assets. Uh, Drysdale, I would say, a little bit less so, just given the injuries he's sort of battled the last couple of years. But it wasn't that long ago that Drysdale was having one of the better rookie seasons himself in the NHL as a 19-year-old defenseman, which is pretty rare. Uh, he skates extremely well. As, as far as Gauthier goes, Gauthier is a legitimate top 10-ish prospect in the sport. Like, we're talking a, a maybe not an A-plus level prospect, but an A-quality prospect, the kind of prospect that isn't made available at 19 years old via trade almost ever. Uh, and when they are, are hot commodities. I would imagine that even with him wanting uh, out of, of, uh, of Philly, that there was still plenty of leverage for the Flyers in terms of making this trade happen, if only because there were probably and by the sounds of it, there were 18 to 20 teams that, that were involved in some level of conversation with the Flyers about him over the last six months here. Gauthier's a six foot two center who can skate and is athletic and has an NHL shot and is sort of expected to be a 30-goal scoring top six center in the NHL. And with his size, that's obviously an extremely, extremely rare commodity. Uh, he was excellent in Sweden mm-hmm. at the World Juniors. He was on my, my all-star ballot at the end of the tournament. Um, second year in a row, he's been great there. He scored seven goals in nine games at men's senior men's world championships in the spring. Uh, so the, he's already played against NHL competition and succeeded against NHL competition. And he's one of the best forwards in college hockey right now. So this is a player that will will turn pro at the end of this season, is going to jump right into NHL games in the spring here before the end of the season uh, with the Anaheim Ducks once his season at Boston College is over uh, and should be an Anaheim Duck and a big part of that, that core that they're building around for, for a long, long time here. What changed here, Scott, from the sense of – Cutter Gauthier saying, I want to be a Philadelphia Flyer. I'm built to be a Philadelphia Flyer. To not even wanting to talk to Flyers execs Daniel Breer and Keith Jones. Yeah, still trying to nail that down. Uh, based on the conversations I've had, my, and this is not uh, me reporting this, more of a hunch, my guess would be that at some point along this process with the Philadelphia Flyers, he, his expectation was that he was going to jump right out of college and join them in the NHL. And then at some point there was a conversation had, whether it was with Keith Jones or with uh, Danny Briere, where they likely told him that they believed that he was going to need some time in Lehigh Valley with their AHL affiliate. That would be my guess in terms of putting him off. He's, he's in terms of the quality of prospect is and the success that he's had both internationally and at the college level. My guess would be that any conversation with him that said that he was going to have to start in the AHL uh, was probably not the way that he was expecting his pro career to begin. Uh, players of his notoriety do typically jump straight from college hockey and into the NHL when they're signed. Uh, and ultimately, you've got leverage when you're a college player because there is always that looming question of, okay, if I wait for four years, I become a free agent, which isn't something that's afforded to many other prospects. Uh, now, that would have required that Cutter Gauthier play four full years at Boston College, which is uh, a little bit beneath him. But there is that threat of if, if you guys uh, sort of aren't going to 
to sort of play me and use me the way that I think I deserve to be played and used, then I'll sit out in college and hit free agency and you'll get nothing for me kind of thing. So uh, they, they saw this as a pressure point, I'm sure. They likely viewed him coming out of wanting to come out of college at the end of this season as a bit of a deadline for them in terms of making a trade and or convincing him to sign with them. Ultimately, when they went over to Sweden and, and weren't sort of given time to speak to him and sort of present their case about what they're building in Philadelphia, I think they pretty quickly had to make a decision that, okay, we need to capitalize and, and move this move this player before uh, before anybody sort of finds out, if you will, that he doesn't want to come here because then suddenly there's, there's less leverage. So uh, I think that was sort of more or less how this likely played out. Scott Wheeler from The Athletic, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440, coming up to 7.30 in Edmonton. So, as you said, you just got back from Sweden. A long uh, couple of weeks for you there, but a lot of great hockey that you got to see. Who impressed you? Let's just start with the American team. Uh, like The likes of Howard and McGrory, who impressed you off the American roster the most? Well, I think as expected, uh, the, their forward group was just a cut above everybody else in the tournament. Um, I mean, you listed two names there in Rutger McGordy and Isaac Howard, who were excellent. I thought Blackhawks first-rounder Frank Nazar on that line with Isaac Howard was excellent. I thought the third piece of that line might have actually been the best player of the trio in the tournament in Blue Jackets prospect Gavin Brinley. Uh, Goche was good late in the tournament. The, the Boston College line of Will Smith, Ryan Leonard, and Gabe Perot began to take over games offensively. It was a special age group. It was an age group deserving of a gold medal. Uh, and then even beyond that, the, there were questions about what the defense would look like. Uh, we knew that Lane Hudson and Ryan Chesley, who made up that top pairing for Team USA on the back end, were going to play big minutes, and they did. They pushed 25 to 27 minutes a night in the elimination games. Uh, but it was beyond them. I was really, really impressed by Zeev Bouillam, who's actually a draft eligible. We rarely see 17-year-olds have, have a big impact at the World Juniors, uh, even rarer when it's a defenseman. And I thought Bouillam sort of really stabilized stabilized that, that back end for them, gave them a, a, a real sort of offensive catalyst beyond uh, Lane Hudson and was is sort of continued to stamp his claim as one of the better D prospects in a draft class for 2024 that is full of them. So uh, we're going to be hearing a lot more in the next few years about Zeev Boyum. He's going to go back to college at Denver next year. He's going to be likely the number one defenseman for next year's defense of the gold medal at the World Juniors. Uh, and he's trending to be, uh, at the start of the year, was viewed more as a late first rounder. But I think there's a real opportunity for him to be kind of a top 10 pick at this point in this draft. So uh, a credit to the way he's played at Denver and certainly also the way that he's played uh, or the way that he did play in Sweden. His stock, I think, probably, would you say, out of all the players going into the 2024 draft, would his stock have risen the most? Certainly among the two or three players that leaps out at you, for sure. Uh, as I mentioned, kind of viewed as a late first, early second round pick heading into this season and has really sort of taken off. He's having a not just a good season in college hockey. He's been one of the most productive, not just defensemen, but one of the most productive players in college hockey. Certainly one of the most productive right up there with Macklin Celebrini uh, in terms of freshman players in college hockey. And is having the kind of season that we've seen players like Adam Fox and Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes have. Those are the kinds of numbers we're talking about. 
That doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be Adam Fox or Quinn Hughes or Kale McCarr. But in terms of his statistical profile and, and the, what he's doing as a true freshman defenseman in college hockey, uh, there, it's a small list of what the other players have accomplished in terms of being well above a point per game as a 17-year-old D in college hockey. Scott Wheeler from The Athletic, our guest on Sports 1440, uh, just returned from the World Junior Championship in Sweden. Uh, Team Canada, Scott, with a disappointing performance, uh, losing out in the uh, quarterfinals. Was there a player or two that caught your eye on Team Canada, and can you kind of let our listeners know who they would be? Yeah, I mean, certainly Celebrini was the standout up front. Uh, No surprise there. He's the presumptive first overall pick in the upcoming draft. He's done it at every level he's ever played at. Shattuck, Chicago Steel in the USHL, Boston University and NCAA this year. He's been the best player in his age group and has often played above his age group and been the best player in his league virtually wherever he's gone. Uh, it, it was a disappointing tournament for Canada's forwards. Uh, I think that all of Jordan Dume, Matt Poitra, Matthew Savoy, you go down the list, they all underperformed relative to expectations and relative to what they've done at lower levels and their pedigree. Uh, I did like on the back end the first pairing of uh, Denton Matejchuk and Maverick Lamoura. Uh, Lamoura is a first-rounder mm-hmm. of the Arizona Coyotes. Matejchuk's a first-rounder of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, it was a thinner back end, especially after losing Tanner Molendyke and Tristan Luno to an injury and an illness in advance of the tournament. Uh, and as a result of all of that, they were asked, Matejchuk and Lamaru, that is, were asked to do a lot. They were asked to play 25 minutes a night. And I thought that they handled it really well and drove play and uh, contributed at both ends of the ice and all of that. So uh, it wasn't certainly the uh, result was not on Lamaru, Matejchuk or Celebrini. Those guys pulled their weight. It was the depth and the sort of talent elsewhere in the lineup that I think uh, – Canada was lacking in and uh, it, the, the good news if you're a Canadian hockey fan is that next year they're eligible to bring back as many as eight returnees this year obviously Owen Beck uh, who barely even played yeah. in last year's tournament was their only returnee uh, so it should be a, a stronger team uh, in terms of what what Hockey Canada expects of itself it should be a stronger team next year in Ottawa. Hey Scott what did you make of Oliver Bonk he's another uh, Flyers uh, young prospect uh, what did you think of the tournament that he had Yeah Bonk played well Bonk was the youngest player on that on that blue line uh, an 18 year old playing at that level so uh, I, I thought he handled himself well um, he was sort of uh, not expected to be a, a go-to guy for them and then uh, after the injuries kind of had to become one especially uh, when players like Noah Warren and Jorian Donovan on that back end, I thought really struggled. Uh, Bonk held his own. Uh, it was I was a little surprised to actually see him running the second power play, mm-hmm. if only because after talking to him at selection camp, he said uh, he told me that he didn't expect to be on the power play and that he was going to that the staff had told him he was going to be need need to be more of a defensive guy in this group. But I think just his comfort level on the puck, his smarts, his poise. All of that sort of helped him emerge as, as a bigger uh, bigger player for them, if you will, than I think both he and they were expecting. And he's one of those eight returnees that will be back next year. So uh, they'll be looking, on, uh, looking at him next year in Ottawa, which is obviously where he's uh, born and raised as the son yeah. uh, of Radic Bonk. So I'm sure it'll be a, a good opportunity for him to rewrite history, especially after just the way that the quarterfinal played out with the the final shot going off of his shin pad with 11 seconds left, right? So 
I, I thought other than that moment, and even in that moment, which obviously wasn't his fault, uh, other than that, he was uh, he was very good. The Athletics, Scott Wheeler, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, Matty Russo, goaltender, undrafted, so he will be uh, going in the 2024 draft. We have Grant Fuhrer on our, our, our show every Tuesday. He's our co-host, uh, Scott, and he's been trying to kind of beat the drum of smaller goaltenders uh, coming on and maybe cracking the uh, stigma of you got to be six foot four to be a goaltender in the NHL. Where do you see uh, Russo kind of uh, developing moving forward here? Yeah, it's always tough when you're a smaller goalie. Um, whether or not it's fair or not is a different conversation, but it is tougher to get signed, to get drafted. He's obviously been passed up at the NHL draft already. I think if he does get picked this year, it will quite likely be in sort of round six or round seven in the draft. Uh, if he doesn't get picked, I would expect him to get a development camp invite from at least a couple of NHL teams and have some options in terms of going and trying to earn an AHL or an NHL deal that way. Uh, he's he's a talented goaltender. He's obviously got a, a, a really strong track record of, of success now across the, really the last three seasons of strong play with Halifax. He played in all 21 of their playoff games last year. He hasn't been pulled in that league uh, in two seasons. So uh, there's been a consistency to his game that I think teams are noticing. But I do think teams are also a little bit worried about the, his size. There were a couple of goals that went in on him. Uh, in the World Juniors that just wouldn't have gone in on a bigger goalie, including the very last one where he could just couldn't stretch out his leg to make that save after it got redirected, uh, even though he was in the right position. So it can be tricky. I would agree with Grant Fuhrer in mm-hmm. uh, it not being the be-all and end-all. There are multiple smaller goalies. Everybody talks about UC Saros and the success he's had, but he's not alone. Uh, Devin Levi is now emerging as, as a potential starting goalie for the Buffalo Sabres. Dustin Wolf in Calgary is going to be, if not a starting goalie, then a very good tandem goalie in the NHL. I'm extremely confident in that. Um, so there, there have been success stories over the years. Yaroslav Halak had a great career. Um, it's, it's not impossible. So uh, I, I've always been of the mind that you just draft for, for talent and, yeah. and results. And uh, in many cases, some of those goalies are good enough. We saw what Thomas Millich did as Canada's goalie just a year ago in Halifax at the World Juniors. Uh, he got drafted and, and, uh, and immediately signed by the Winnipeg Jets based off of that play. He's another sort of five foot 11, six foot goalie. Uh, so it, there, it, there, are, there are goalies coming, and I do think teams are going to start to learn that lesson, especially if Dustin Wolf, who was drafted in the seventh round with one of the very last picks of the seventh round, has the kind of success that I think he's going to have. Uh, just one more for you, Scott. Uh, some of the other countries, uh, anyone come to, to mind that you think uh, took a step forward? I, like Switzerland had a couple of guys that played quite well, I thought. Yeah, there were uh, there were really a few on every team that, that caught my eye. There always is at the World Juniors, players who uh, sort of surprise you. I, I think you expect guys like Yuri Kulich and Jonathan Lekaramaki, who were standouts for, for Czechia and for Sweden, respectively, to to sort of play well and and rise to the occasion, if you will. Uh, One player that I was really impressed by was Felix Unger-Sorum with the Swedes, Uh, sort of 5'11", skinny winger who was drafted in the middle rounds by Carolina in last year's draft, but has a real craft to his game. He's a a very slippery player. He loves to hold onto the puck and make plays. Uh, He had the puck a ton in this tournament as an 18-year-old and is an eligible returnee for the Swedes next year. 
so anytime you're an 18-year-old and you leap off the page like that, I think it, it sort of grabs my attention, if you will. Um, there were some draft-eligible players that, that uh, sort of garnered some buzz. Stian Solberg, who's played professionally in Norway this year and played big minutes on Norway's back end, back end impressed, uh, really impressed a lot of scouts in the, the opening game between Norway and USA when Norway played USA really tight and only lost 4-1. Uh, he made some mistakes later in the tournament that I think showed his age and his maturity a little bit in terms of reads and decision-making on the puck. But Solberg's a big, strong, physical, mean defenseman that teams covet, uh, and I think it's he, he'll be a potentially great story as kind of a second or third round pick out of Norway uh, in this upcoming draft. On top of Michael Brandsag Nygaard, who also mm-hmm. played for the Norwegians and who's going to be a first round pick in this draft, so and it's nice to see that in particular. Just see the game growing. See countries like Norway have two guys that are going to be top 50, top 60 picks in an upcoming draft. That's that's a big deal, uh, and it's a big reason. Uh, one of the big reasons that I'm a big believer in the World Juniors remaining a 10-team tournament. Uh, I know there's talk every year when there's blowouts about contraction, but uh, we wouldn't have seen Tim Stutzla and Moritz Seider and Dominic Bach and um, Nick Ellers. You go down the list, mm-hmm. there are players who've played for all sorts of quote-unquote sort of second-tier hockey countries who've had opportunities at this tournament to play and to play well. Marco Rossi is obviously another recent example for Austria. Um, so this is a this is a it's a stomping ground for some of these countries now, and and some of them are making major progress. The Germans obviously at the very top of that list. So and the Slovaks for that matter, in terms of what the Slovaks have accomplished with their last few age groups at the World Juniors. So. Uh, it's uh, I'm, I'm I think hockey's in a good spot, and I think we saw that at this year's tournament, even with the the handful of blowouts that always happen. And you can, yeah, I mean, just look at Czech beating Canada. What that does for the country there, you know, it's amazing. Yeah, no question. So, hey, Scott, thanks for your time this morning. Really appreciate it. Uh, always top notch information. Have a, a, a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Cheers. That's Scott Wheeler from the Athletic, and our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to FountainTire.com to check out their winter tire lineup and brand offerings. He's so bang on about the fact that when you look at, just go back a few years and, you know, like the, the guys like Stutzla and all the, a country, let's just use Germany, uh, Cider, all these players that have developed and got a chance to play at the World Juniors. And now it's other countries like Norway that are moving up and having the success Maybe not as a team, but there are some individuals because of the program improving year to year that have been able to participate in this tournament and have been able to show their stuff. And what it does is just increases their draft capital uh, coming up. When we come back uh, at top of the hour, it'll be Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli. Little open time. Get to some text. one 1440 on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back to the big program. Just a little late on our 740 break with Brian Adams a couple minutes late the Duke comes through once again that's kind of a newer one isn't it Duke with BA is that a fresh take a fresh cut I actually don't know when that song you know, came out I'm, I'm not as familiar with it which leads me <laughs> to think that it's because it's not from one of the first uh first couple records you know over which are but, my deepest uh, the knowledge cuts like on. a knife one that's one that's one of your favorites or whatever uh the album covers by the coffee machine hanging on the wall the here cuts the, like a knife one yes yeah. and then the somewhere else here in the studio uh hallways is um the reckless one which is my like that album top favorite. to bottom is flawless in my opinion 
<laughs> and then he and then he, in the yeah. 25th anniversary, he uh, released like a remastered version of it with a couple, including the title track, which was not on the original one, Reckless. Uh, no. So that's a, a nice little addition to it as well. But yeah, oh yeah, that album's top shelf. We got to get into some like let's do a deeper dive on BA and get some of the like the songs that we've never had on every day. Well, but <laughs> do we have them here? Uh, they wouldn't be in the library. I guess I could I could play them across from uh, from the other computer here on the old uh, the old Spotify machine, but. There, so there was a movie from I think 2001. It was an animated film by DreamWorks. It was called Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. It was about a horse <laughs> and like the uh, the mm-hmm. Wild West, the building yeah. of the railroad and stuff. And so Brian Adams did the soundtrack for it, and it's it's very good. The music's terrific. Matt Damon is the voice voiceover because like the horse doesn't talk. None of the animals talk, but there's a voiceover of like the horses. Thoughts. It's not like Mr. Ed the horse doesn't talk or no, oh, no, no, okay. nothing. But yeah, Matt Damon is the the voice of the horse. Okay, great movie. Oh, great I can't movie. imagine how how good it is. Uh, text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Stair Farmer says, "Hey, good morning, boys. Please slow down, drivers. Slow down conditions on the road. Have a great day." King of Fort Nasty says, good morning, KK and Duke. Boy, the Ducks chatter gets the Duke more fired up than a Kenny Chesney concert. Cheers, King of Fort Nasty. Have you been to a few of those? Or? I've never seen Chesney live. Yeah. I've heard it's great. He puts on a great show. Um, I, I don't like as much of Chesney's newer stuff. I like his 90s stuff. Mm-hmm. She thinks my tractor's sexy. That one's <laughs> that one's great. Um, yeah, but I mean, like, he, he's he's awesome. And he, he's kind of got a different vibe of country music. You know, like Beach Cowboy is yeah. his like thing. Uh, so I'm not as quite as big on some of his newer stuff, but his old stuff, it it jams for sure. One of the best texts we've ever had just came in from Matt and Leduc about my favorite basketball player, Demetrius Jamal Morant. <laughs> did you know that was his first name? I did not. Yeah, Demetrius, I think, is his first name. Uh, Jamal must, must be a second name. But anyway, he is uh, done for the season with, he's going to have season-ending shoulder surgery, which prompted Madden Leduc to say, did you guys see Morant is going to miss the rest of the year with a torn labrum? I would have thought it would be a bicep injury, though. Usually when that guy misses games, it's because of his guns. Matt, I'll, well give, I'll give that one an 8.9 out of 10. Really? I, that's that's good. That's good. 8.9. Because guess what? It's true. <laughs> it's very true. I liked it. <laughs> What's this one here? Uh, Tarzan has an amazing soundtrack thanks to Phil Collins. That's from uh, Fat Efron. Yeah, like the Tarzan Tarzan. film from 95, 94. Phil Collins did the whole soundtrack. Who's playing Tarzan in that movie? Do you know? No idea. What about Jane? Don't know. (laughs) You got another homework assignment. I'm trying to... Because most... Disney films had pretty big names voicing a lot of the characters. But in was this, Tar- uh, uh, Rosie O'Donnell was the one Jane. gorilla. Oh. Ro- Jane. Okay, Kev. <laughs> Give your head a shake. <laughs> Phil Matt? Collins also did the soundtrack to Brother, Rosie Be- Brother Bear. Was Jane. Brother Bear. Love to see that. Uh, when we come back, top of the hour, Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet for Booster Juice and Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff, our headliner of the day for Mr. Ruder. Before all that, time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by First Round. You can watch NFL football at First Round, playoff style, this Saturday and Sunday, and then Monday night, I guess, too. One game. You could win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here is the Duke.